Welcome to the India Fintech Diaries, the only podcast focused exclusively on the Indian fintech market. I'm Elroy. And I'm Himan. In each episode, we dive into the latest trends, ideas, innovations, business models, and personalities that are shaping India's fintech landscape. We also invite amazing guests who are innovators and industry players that are driving the change that is helping make financial services more modern, innovative, and inclusive in India. Come join us as we explore the changing landscape of fintech in India. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to India Fintech Diaries. I am Hemant, and I'm joined by my co-host, Elroy. How are you doing, Elroy? I'm doing great, Hemant. Uh, this week, we continue with our series on Welltech, and uh, we look at uh, the entire investment space more in detail this week, right? So, retail investment has been on the rise even before the pandemic hit. And COVID-19 has definitely been a major accelerator that has led to the inclusion of scores of first-time young investors into the market. But as more of India starts investing and managing wealth more actively, we thought it would be great to speak to someone, be able to shed more light on this. So today we'll speak to India's leading digital wealth management platform to get deeper insights on how Indians are managing their wealth. It is a pleasure to welcome Mr. Subramaniam SV, co-founder and CEO of Wisdom. Welcome to India Fintech Diary, Subu. Thanks, Elroy. Great to be here. Subhu, before we deep dive into this entire topic, it'll be great to understand the story beyond FISDIM and a little bit about your background as well. Sure, Elroy. Uh, thank you so much for having me. We started FISDIM in uh, 2016. We launched in 2016. Uh, prior to starting FISDIM, uh, I was a venture capital investor. So I spent about nine years uh, at uh, Besima Venture Partners, uh, first four years in Mumbai and then a few years in Bangalore. Uh, and as part of BVP, I invested in a variety of consumer internet companies. So I was witness to the first wave of consumer internet adoption in many industries, including e-commerce, transportation, food. Uh, and come 2015, I had reached a stage where either I had to continue investing or I had to do uh, you know, entrepreneurship. And by 2013, I had started doing thinking about, look, you know, I want to, if this is not, if, if I don't start now, I'll probably do never. Uh, and I, I thought in 2015, this is the best time to be in India to be an entrepreneur. So I decided to quit my, uh, you know, fairly interesting VC job. And I have said this multiple times. Venture investing is the best job in the world. And the only thing that trumps is that of a successful entrepreneur. And I decided to make the trade in 2015 to see, hey, listen, look, can I be a successful entrepreneur? And hence, I decided to quit in 2015. Now, having quit uh, BVP in terms of what to do next, uh, financial services was a very, very natural uh, opportunity for me personally and my co-founder Anand. Uh, both of us come from this background. Um, you know, we've spent years in investing and investment banking, uh, understand the uh, the market landscape really well, and also from a disruption perspective, from a, a you know technology uh, adoption perspective. Clearly, we felt uh, financial services would be the next frontier where technology will play a significant role in a variety of um, you know roles like access expansion cost reduction product innovation which we can talk in detail so uh, so we decided uh, in 2016 we're going to start fisdom as a company that will help customers uh, manage their money you know financial services from a retail customers perspective if i just to define its payments uh, you know wealth insurance credit so those are the four primary ways in which the user looks at it apart from a bank account. And we said we have to make a start somewhere. Let's start with investments. And within investments also, we decided to start with mutual funds. So our first product in 2016 was uh, we just enabled people to invest in mutual funds in a seamless way, complete digital fashion on the Fisdom app. That's the basic premise of our first app in 2016. 
And in 2021, as we look back, it feels like this is, look, you know, how hard it can be. But believe me, in 2016, it was really, really hard. This was before UPI and this was before demonetization. Um, and, you know, KYC was completely, uh, this was before the Aadhaar uh, wave as well. Uh, KYC was painful. We had to digitize KYC. We had to figure out a way to use payment gateways, uh, integrate with exchanges, multiple uh, subsystems. Many of those problems have got solved subsequently. We had to do a bunch of innovation and we launched that product. Subsequently, we've been adding one or, one or two more products every year. Uh, so we launched pension funds in 2018, then we added insurance. And earlier this year, we added, um, you know, stock investing, direct stock investing and uh, uh, mass affluent HNI products. So that's been sort of our uh, uh, journey, Elroy. So I, obviously I can, you know, as an entrepreneur, I can keep, keep going at it. So I'll pause there. Uh, that's pretty interesting, Subhu. I think uh, that helps me kind of dovetail into some of the larger macro level questions that I had, right? So starting, let's start with this very simple stat. Uh, if, if you look at some of the recent reports that come out on WellTech, the market in India is expected to reach about uh, 63 billion by 2025 from a base of about 20 billion in 2020. And the number of WellTech investors uh, in this market is expected to go 3x and reach about 12 million by FI25. Now, obviously, the market is growing fast. There's a lot to be done as well. So what's your read of where this WellTech market is uh, headed? especially given your background and being one of the pioneers in this space and starting in 2016? Yeah, no, I think, I think it's a great question, Elroy. So the the way I see it is uh, India has always been an underpenetrated market, right? Uh, yeah. Look at the number of people who have, um, who, who access non-bank, non-LIC products, right? Is right. A very, very small portion. And this story of underpenetration of uh, access to financial products is has been true since times immemorial, since we were born, possibly. The, probably if you look at the 1995 or 2000 to 2005 BCG report, it will still say the same thing. Oh, India's market is underpenetrated compared to GDP and you know, etc., right? In fact, Subhu, they actually say that uh, today it's also. I was reading a report by Jeffries that came out a uh, little while back. In this report, they also mentioned that compared to other economies, uh, AUM penetration in India is very low. It's still, it's still, it's still low, but... Uh, you know, a few things have changed in the last five years, which gives everyone confidence that, hey, listen, look, probably the next five years, we're going to do better than the, you know, the earlier uh, five-year periods, right? I think the first one is just the whole, um, you know, access layer. Thanks yeah. to technology and digital, it's way easier today to access products, Aadhaar, mobile, all these, you know, convergence has happened dramatically. And today it's uh, the whole access problem that people used to have where you had to sign papers and complete the KYC and wait for a few days to do some, you know, somebody to come back to you and then invest. You know, the whole process has just got disintermediated with this whole, uh, you know, onboarding, the ease of access, right? So, so technology, this whole Aadhaar, all of this is playing a really, really huge role. I think the second yeah. uh, is, um, uh, you know, we... I believe the whole uh, internet wave that we saw before 2015, uh, where the likes of Amazon, Flipkart, Ola, Uber, Swiggy, all of them invested billions of dollars to educate the customers about uh, transacting on the internet. Yeah. I think it's, we, you know, uh, today we, think we take it for granted, but there was a time five years ago when people didn't have faith in uh, online transactions. And by large, even most sophisticated sec A population would hesitate to use their credit cards online because of various reasons, right? So I think the whole, the consumer internet wave of the first half of 2015 made sure that a large number of customers were comfortable dealing online, dealing with money, you know, just even a payment, mm -hmm. a monetary transaction, right? So that I think was a huge foundation for what we are seeing. And the third one is um, other structural factors. You know, if you see in, in India, 
India has Indians have traditionally kept wealth in fixed deposits. I mean, broadly, broadly bank deposits, gold, yeah. and real estate, right? Um, you know, gold has had a hasn't had a, a great run uh, in the last couple of years. Till 2011, it didn't make any money. Uh, demonetization and RERA Act made sure that you know real estate is not a great asset class. And then finally, uh, bank deposits, where you know we all were used to getting a 10% interest rate as early as 10, 12 years ago. And the interest rate started falling. Today, a fixed deposit gives you a four to five percent return. So, right. the, the the traditional places where Indians used to keep money in, they are not viable anymore. Um, so, where do you go? And that money has to flow into other places, which is what I call India is on a you know ten twenty year trend of financialization of uh, assets. And the fourth and the final factor is just the sheer demographic factor. You know, India is a much, much younger country. Every year we throw out 15 to 20 million uh, graduates uh, and they're all tech first. They're all digital native people. So if they have to avail a service, they are going to look first on their mobile phones or App Store and Google Play and Google and not ask their uncle and auntie, hey, where should I invest money? Right? So I think these factors have contributed immensely in what today we, we've seen the whole wealth stake wave over the last couple of years where just the sheer number of people who are uh, accessing products has just dramatically increased. Yeah, absolutely, Subhu. And Subhu, in the end, you touched upon this point of customers and we look at last five years, which is basically from 2016 to 2021. We have lived in times where the pace of change has been extremely fast, unlike Earlier, when generations used to change, say, in 10 years, today our generations are changing like two years or three years. So you have had a ringside seat to seeing the change in wealth management behavior that Indian customers have gone through. What are some interesting insights into that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, um, the first sort of a trend, uh, Hemant, is do it for me versus do it for you, do it yourself, right? Um, I think one of the the cultural changes, if you will, or rather the behavioral changes that has happened in customers at large is to be able to do it on their own. Uh, I'll give you an example, right? You know, 15 years ago, just go back to pre-Ola days. Uh, if you had to go to an airport, you would book a cab. And, uh, you know, usually this is a city taxi or somebody where you would have called. And if you had a flight next day morning, half an hour before you have to leave, you will start calling the guy. Uh, where are you? You know, what time will you reach? You're just anxious about the guy. So you would proactively reach out to him and speak to him. Today, you book an Uber or Ola to the airport. And let's say the guy calls you to ask you, where is the address? Your reaction is likely to be, please see the map and come. Right? The, basically, the tendency is to eliminate unnecessary human interaction. Right? I will deal with whom I need to. Otherwise, I don't want to deal with it. Just see the app and sort of come to it. Right? And right. this is bound to have a rebuff effect on you know the way we deal with money. The second sort of a uh, big trend that we've seen in the last five years is, in general, the average risk-taking ability of uh, Indians has gone up. You know, this five, ten years ago, we used to hear investing in stock markets or mutual funds is like gambling. You know, uh, the only way to keep money safe is either keep in bank or gold or real estate and everything else is sort of, uh, you know, uh, not par for the course. I think that perception has significantly changed. And today, people are willing to take risks and invest money in where they think, you know, they can make money. And which is also explained in, you know, dramatic explosion of crypto assets also in India. So I think that's the second trend that we've seen in the last four years, which is uh, people are willing to take more risks. Uh, um, And the way I would say it, the average risk-taking ability of Indians has 
gone up over the last uh, you know four five years. And the third one is, as I said, uh, due to the low interest rates uh, on the bank deposits, there is a significant tendency to say, "Hey, listen, look, anyway, I'm getting like three percent post tax. I might as well you know try in the capital markets and move money over there." So I think those are a few things that we've seen in the last uh, uh, you know five to ten years, Himant. Uh, so good. That's uh, very right in uh, some of the insights you've drawn out. And another thing that I personally noticed is, at least when I started investing uh, into the markets, right? At that point of time, uh, for a, for me to invest in a mutual fund, only options were to either go th- via a broker. And, and at that point of time, direct funds kind of just started opening up. You could actually buy a direct fund on MF's uh, website. But there was no platform that aggregated everything. And that's one big change we've seen uh, in the last uh, couple of years that digital wealth management platforms have started transforming the way people manage their wealth as well. And it's making it a lot more accessible and affordable to a wider set of people. Can you help us understand how such a platform such as yours would work and some of the factors that are helping drive its success? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, Elroy, the the role of a digital wealth platform, I, the way I would say is, yeah. uh, can do a few things, okay, from from the market perspective. Once we've established, look, there's a large market and there are drivers to uh, uh, increase the penetration of that market. Typically, the roles that uh, people like us perform would be one is just provide access, make right. it really, really easy to get onboarded, make a payment, buy a product, uh, whether, it's, whether it is through payment integration, all of that. It's the whole access layer where uh, wealth tech platforms have done a terrific job. Uh, yeah. That I would also include, um, you know, for example, ability to uh, invest in an IPO through a UPI, uh, you know, lock-in. I think that's just yeah. a boggling innovation that just has enabled so many people to apply for IPO in no time. Similarly, the whole Aadhaar-based onboarding, uh, e-sign, all of them have significantly helped, uh, you know, people just become onboarded and, you know, being able to do transactions. So the first one is, I would classify it as uh, access, okay? The second one is uh, customer experience, you know, compare this with uh, being able to buy something on the mobile app with no uh, friction. Compare yeah. that with signing papers, sign a KYC form, attach your address proof, attach your identity proof, give it somewhere, self-attest it and wait for three days. And just the whole experience that uh, digital wealth platforms give provide compared to, let's say, any other offline world. Um, not to say the least about not having to interact with any agent or anybody, right? I think the whole experience that digital wealth platforms have provided is just, uh, you know, a, a top-notch uh, compared to what uh, what we were all used to. The third one is um, around cost reduction, right? You know, uh, when you deal with an agent, invariably there will be some other other cost. Uh, for example, yeah. an agent also will try to sell you an LIC policy or a ULIP or you know, so on and so forth. So there is always a cost element when you deal with the physical leg. And the moment you are online, you have you can buy the cheapest product. Uh, and in the fastest sort of possible way. So third role, you know, wealth tech platforms do is to just cost reduction. And cost reduction is not just in terms of uh, monetary cost. There is also a lot of time cost involved in financial transactions. And digital waves, you know, digital ways of doing just reduce that transaction, that that, that cost as well. A fourth one is, uh, um, you know, product innovation. We've not seen as much uh, in the last few years, but we're going to see that significantly in wealth platforms in terms of product innovation, providing advisory, uh, automated portfolio rebalancing, how do you provide customized advice to customers, individual customers, rather than telling everybody, hey, listen, look, buy these three funds or buy these four stocks. Can the advice that I get be different from the advice that you get or Heman gets? So I think this yeah. is go for you know, product innovation. And the final one is 
because um, digital uh, also gives you access to a lot of data, ability to segment customers and target them becomes significantly higher. So there could be somebody who just focuses on millennials, whereas somebody could be focused on tier two, tier three towns. Or there could be somebody who just focuses on urban rich, right? So WealthTech enables you know us to do all of this you know specific plays this play these specific roles so subo that actually solves for the uh, platform side of the equation which is making sure that uh, there's a good enough platform for customers to use but in your opinion what can be done by wealthtech firms and policy makers to solve for the demand side which is to help get more investors to the capital markets yeah, so you know, in the last two three years, even uh, uh, Elroy, you would have seen demand side has not been an issue. But if you still look at mutual fund pickup, right, it's not been as much as uh, say the amount of money that's gone into the equity equity markets directly in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think you know uh, the the reasons for money to go into equity markets is uh, is more fueled by one segment of uh, you know population, which is typically the millennial segment, which has been yeah. Very, very open to opening DMAT accounts and applying in IPOs and buying and selling shares, right? But even if you look at even the just the mutual fund uh, uh, numbers over the last couple of years, the assets under management have largely doubled. And uh, the number of customers who are investing in mutual funds continues to grow, but obviously not at the pace of um, uh, direct stock investing. I would say from a, um, from a supply side perspective, most of the problems are uh, resolved. From a demand side point of view, What's really remaining is uh, customer education. The top 5% of the country are familiar with uh, what's going on. You know, what's a mutual fund? What's a stock? Uh, what's a PMS? What might be a right product fund? Right. There is a certain amount of education. Now, the next task is really a large-scale education about what these products are. Okay. And I think uh, there, some the regulator is doing reasonable amount of work, but I wouldn't say uh, it is sufficient. I think we believe the potential for India right now in the next three years alone is about having about 10 crore uh, investors who are investing in both, you know, uh, indirect routes like uh, mutual funds and also direct routes like, um, you know, equities. So that's the sort of uh, potential. But I think that can happen only with very, very large scale uh, education about what these products are and just, uh, you know, understanding. Like, for example, we hear, we still hear in 2021, we hear questions about from people about, hey, listen, uh, which is better, mutual fund or SIP? You know, just to give an example, right? Mm. And I think that is more of lack of uh, education than lack of uh, awareness. So are they aware about mutual funds? The answer is yes. Are they educated about mutual funds or stocks? The answer is no, right? So the next big sort of adoption will come through uh, significant, significant education. Subhu, you touched upon factors such as the India stack impact and the UPI impact that has had on the wealth tech adoption overall. So two-part question, what are the regulatory and government initiatives that uh, have been taken, which you think have had the maximum impact on the wealth tech? And second being things such as account aggregator, there's a lot of excitement around account aggregator having an impact on lending, but there is also excitement around the impact it may have on the wealth tech market as itself. So what's your opinion on both of those? On the first one, uh, uh, Heyman, uh, I think SEBI has been extremely forward-looking when it comes to uh, market expansion. I think financial inclusion is one of their core agendas, and I think they've done a terrific job. This whole Aadhaar uh, as a as a as a central force, right, for onboarding customers, uh, linking Aadhaar to account num- bank account number, 
uh, and the whole ecosystem has been absolutely terrific. So today we can onboard customers uh, for for capital markets via Aadhaar in literally like two minutes, right? And second, we can through the whole payment systems and the Aadhaar stack, we can verify customers' bank accounts with one penny drop uh, again in no time. So the whole friction that used to be there before has been completely eliminated by this whole Aadhaar stack. So. So once you get customers onboarded, right, then I think rest of the product uh, portfolio and the product roadmap takes over. Uh, like, for example, uh, ease of payments is a big deal. You know, uh, four or five years ago, uh, if you have to buy something, you have to do an MEFT before that you would add as a payee, wait for 24 hours, then transfer money, then buy something. And all of that has now gone away thanks to some really amazing uh, payment gateway integrations and uh, UPI, etc., right? So I think the big role that regulator has played is in standardization and simplification, and I would say automation of uh, onboarding processes. And of course, regulator has also brought in lots of compliance norms, which obviously helps companies take care of their customers' interests. On the second part of your question on this whole account aggregator, uh, I think that's going to be a huge needle mover probably in the next uh, two to five years, Sahiman. Right now, uh, it is most useful for lenders, as you said, because lenders don't have sufficient information. So account aggregators, uh, uh, this whole framework gives them access to data that otherwise the customer might not be willing to uh, give them or might not have access to give them. Now, wealth, when it comes to wealth, particularly automated or digital wealth platforms, the way it works is, in fact, even in offline wealth management. The capability of a wealth management platform goes up with more information about the customer. Very simple. If I know more about you, uh, I'll be able to do better in terms of my own uh, you know, recommendations or advice to you. Uh, today, if I were to do a financial planning for you, it's a very, very painful exercise because I'll ask you to fill up a five-page form and you will let, after two, three minutes, you will say, look, I'm bored. I can't do this. And many a time, it's hard even it's, it's it's not even like it's hard to sort of uh, even actually write those answers for example if i ask you what are your total annual expenses uh, or, or let's say if i ask you what are your monthly expenses frankly you have no clue um, absolutely let's say let's say uh, let's say my kids annual school fees should i divide by 12 or should i exclude it <laughs> right just little little yep so the whole task of getting information from customers to be able to provide superior um, advice slash value to customers, right? It's very, very hard um, uh, in, in real world. And what account aggregator will solve that is at least some parts of this information will come in a very, very structured format. For example, what other assets do you have? You might not remember off, your, off the cuff, but yeah. if, there's, there's a, if there's a structured way to retrieve this data or what liabilities do you have or what other forms of protection products you own, I think that will just take away a lot of drudgery that humans do in terms of financial planning and that can just just be fed to an engine and that throws out a certain recommendations based on risk profile and it could also be, uh, the output could be a combination of really low cost uh, investment. So uh, right now, account aggregator is still early. Uh, You know, I don't think companies that keep the um, uh, customer's asset side information or the liability side information um, have uh, kind of signed up in a big way, like CAMS and Carvey and AMCs, um, wealth management firms, PMS, AIF, all these providers. I think they will uh, onboard themselves as a both financial uh, FIU and FIP over the next uh, year or two. And once that's done, I think ability of wealth tech platforms to be 
able to deliver targeted recommendations and products and services will go significantly higher and and we all have to step up and uh, you know make sure we are on the track absolutely subhu subhu at india fintech diaries there is this theme of embedded financial services that we are very excited about and fisdom has clearly been a big and early proponent of it so you have partnered with multiple banks to provide your wealth management products to their customers help us understand how does that model work and what has been the traction that you have seen on it so the way we work hemant is uh, we build a consumer product so fisdom is a mobile app it's a consumer product that anyone can download and start using but the way we reach end customers is through these bank partnerships that you mentioned so we rarely do you know google or facebook kind of advertising to reach end customers uh, we partner with banks and the reason for partnering with banks is in india banks have the widest and the deepest distribution reach among all financial uh, Uh, institutions if you compare them with let's say insurance companies or you know asset management companies um, you know banks have the deepest distribution even if you go to a tier 2 tier 3 town you will find uh, a bank branch and uh, right. also trust in banks is by and large very very high okay mm-hmm. uh, and part of the reason is uh, no customer has or rather a customer has very very rarely lost money in a bank deposit and thanks to rbi's very very stringent uh, We are working. Each time there is a bank in trouble, they find a way to make sure that the retail depositors are not, uh, you know, affected. Right. So there is there is distribution and trust, but they are not doing some of the stuff that you know they should be doing. Some of the larger banks like ICICI, Axis, HDFC banks, they have figured out this whole wealth model. Being able to cross sell wealth products to their customers is something that the larger or the new age private sector banks have figured out. But if you look at um, the banking ecosystem in India, there are about forty banks. There are five good quality banks. Let's say large banks: ICICI, Axis, HDFC, SBI, and then there are a large number of tier two, tier three banks. This includes old age private sector banks like Karnataka Bank, City Union Bank, and PSU banks like Yuko Bank, Indian Bank, Punjab National Bank. These banks have traditionally followed the old banking model, which is borrow, retail, sell, corporate. Uh, right? They would borrow from us. We would give. People like you and I would keep deposits at four percent, and they would go and lend to a Reliance or a Dani at ten percent and make a six percent spread, and right. that defines their margin structure. What happened is the 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 whole NPA crisis just pushed that business to uh, uh, to the brink, right? The whole borrow retail sell corporate model just was not viable. So as a result, these banks uh, have been forced to look at retail in a big way. Uh, so if you look at any bank's presentation, corporate presentation, you will find. Digital and retail to be the most important buzzwords. So, if you talk to any banks, he will say digital for twenty times, retail for another ten times. So, we said, why don't we work with these banks who have built large-scale customer base and deep distribution across the country, and work with them to reach their customers for our product rather than building our own distribution railroad? Because ours is a business where trust is a big deal, right? We are taking money from the customer. We are not a lender. We don't give money to the customer. We are taking money from the customer. So trust is an important thing. How do we build trust by aligning yourself, aligning ourselves with someone who has um, bigger trust than you, right? Who enjoys better trust than you. So that's was the genesis of the idea for uh, working with banks. Uh, we started with our first bank in 2016, and today we work with about uh, you know 12 banks, and very soon we'll be live with three more banks. Uh, and the way we work is cus- banks customers can access fisdom directly they can go to google play or app store and download or we also have uh, which is a bigger uh, way of reaching customers is we we have integrated fisdom app into the bank partners mobile apps so mm-hmm. fisdom is 
okay that sits inside partner banks app so uh, in inside let's say a karnataka bank app there is a there's a wealth management tile and the user clicks on it and wisdom comes up and the subsequent user experience user journey uh, transaction everything is handled by wisdom's product right uh, and that has worked out really really well for us um, you know all the banks in our target segment they all realized the importance of um, engaging customers through other products other than deposits and loans like deposit you don't open your bank account to check your deposit balance every single day it just doesn't yeah. change uh, whereas uh, uh, you know uh, and the bank uh, the customer walks into a bank or asks for, asks the bank for a loan you know once in 3 4 years very infrequent use case how do you build engagement with the users and the best form of engagement for a bank is actually investment product because there is a daily value chain and in fact if you include stocks there is a by minute by minute uh, second by second uh, uh, value chain right? so it's a great way to engage the customers and also generate some additional fee income so as a result this model is now really working well for us um, and in terms of products on our platform we offer uh, mutual funds stocks uh, pension funds tax filing um, so these are the four primary products on our wealth platform for banks and we also uh, offer insurance and uh, pms ai for our mass affluent customers so we cater to uh, retail customers and we also have a separate unit wisdom private wealth which is caters to mass affluent customers who have an investable surplus of 25 lakhs and above and this all happens through the you know through the sdk that is integrated into the bank app but our sdk and the wisdom app stand alone are interoperable uh, customers can start a transaction come and you know complete it here or uh, uh, you know do a transaction here and go and check out the reports there so on and so forth i think it's worked out really really, really well for us and so in your answer for that question you have actually touched upon my next two question that i had so what i'm going to do is i'm going to blend those two together uh, so one subu that you highlighted is the recently launched this year additional offerings on the private wealth the tax filing and stock docking so we want to understand what's the thought process there as you start adding these other offerings in addition to the one that you already had to your repertoire and the second is uh, we understand wisdom and really appreciate the the offering that wisdom has but for our users who have not used the the platform yet uh, can you also explain the entire set of value proposition that the user can benefit from when it they come to wisdom yeah sure i'll get to the first one nahiman so we believe tax is a uh, important piece of the broader wealth suite from a customer's perspective it is a, it's not a fee, it's not a product it can be only be a feature because it's a very infrequent use you know you would file your taxes once a year that's it right. uh, so you're not bothered about it right so as a result uh, you know for us it's an important feature the reason is when you file your taxes you give very very granular data about yourself and we talked about account aggregator right account right. aggregator is one way of getting customer information customers tax filing data is another way to get customer information because there you define what's your income what's your expenditure do you have insurance do you have investments you do live in a rental house or a known house do you have a housing loan like this whole information gets captured in tax filing right and that's an important sort of way to understand the customer we can't use it directly but it's an important piece of the wealth puzzle right mm-hmm. and we help customers file their taxes or manage their taxes through tax saving their trust in us to do other things sort of goes up so it's a it's a once a year sort of a feature right now there's a tax filing season going on so december 31st is the last day uh, so we're seeing large volumes over there uh stock broking is you know as i said in the evolution of india in the last two year uh, of indian customer rather in the last two years clearly direct stock investing has surpassed uh, you know indirect investing in the form of mutual funds 
Now, we felt, look, this is something that's probably a, a longer term trend. This is not a, just a two-year trend. Uh, it's a bull market phenomenon for sure. If markets cut by 30%, there will be surely a winter. But then again, this is a market that we need to be there. And also our bank partners and everybody started asking. Customers started asking, hey, listen, look, I'm using your wisdom for my investment, but for stocks, I have to go elsewhere. And then they said, look, this is an important product. And, uh, you know, unlike other products, launching stockbroking takes time because it's a very, very heavily regulated product with very, you know, significant technology and product investments upfront. And in some sense, broking launch, broking product is also sort of antithesis to a startup. You know, uh, in a startup, you, you launch an MVP and you rapidly iterate and you, uh, you get to a large product, right? Whereas in broking, you know, you, your first customer comes after you have the full blown product. <laughs> So we started yeah. working on this a year and a half ago. So we started working on working a, a couple of months after COVID uh, hit, right? And it took about 15 months for us to build a whole suite. So today we've gone live with a very, very comprehensive suite of uh, broking products across uh, cash, FNO, and uh, currency. Uh, so this is very, very much essential for our bank partners and, and the customers. So we believe uh, direct stock investing is just a natural extension for uh, what we were doing in terms of uh, mutual fund. The final part on the mass affluent segment, again, it's a it's a channel product uh, sort of an issue. When we partner with banks, right, we get access to uh, the bank's digital properties. But what we realize is we also get access to uh, banks' uh, HNI customers. Like every bank branch, uh, like our partner bank, Karnataka Bank, has some 800 uh, branches. Each branch has about 250 to 300 rich customers. Uh, and these include uh, FD customers, high FD customers, locker locker customers, OD customers, etc. And by taking a pure retail approach, we were not serving these customers. Uh, you know, we were not able to serve uh, because our product was really, really built for someone who wanted to grow 5,000 rupees SIB or at best invest 1 lakh rupees. Or five lakh rupees, right? It was not for not made for someone who wants to invest fifty lakhs because the needs of a fifty lakh rupee investment, uh, from a process perspective, is a little different from what would it take for someone to invest fifty thousand rupees. So that's the reason, uh, you know, given that the, our channel, our bank partners give us access to such, you know, large variety of wealthy customers. We said Look, we have to build a, we have to do a, a focused approach to it, and we have to build a dedicated product for it. Uh, and hence the reason for foraying into you know to the mass affluent segment, which we call as wisdom uh, uh, private wealth. Super, that's some very interesting insights in the overall uh, structure of your product set. I'm also curious on uh, how does the technology for this work? I'm sure you must have faced many tech and non-tech challenges while you were building out wisdom. Could you also shed some light on this as well? Yeah, absolutely. So the first two years were obviously very difficult just for the first product that we went live with uh, Elroy, the, the mutual yeah. fund investment alone, right? Because when in 2016, 2017, the infrastructure was not as mature as today. Uh, there is exchange where you push the transactions to. Payment gateways is another, uh, you know, bunch of people. Then there are all these, these camps and Carvi who work on behalf of AMCs to send you the whole transaction feeds, yeah. confirmations. Then you have these KRAs like CVL, etc., which keep the customers, um, you know, KYC document, whether the customer's KYC completed or not. So to build one holistic, transparent interface that customers can use and you in the backend integrate these four things, right, was a significant challenge. And it's not just for us, it was frankly true for most of the guys uh, you see in the market today. And obviously, subsequently, now it is much easier, although regulatory-wise, it's become a little bit more stringent uh, for good reasons. So just putting together the ecosystem 
the ecosystem partners in uh, making them talk to each other you know if one system is down your system is down so how do you build right. uh, how do you build redundancy there redundancies how do you make sure you know you're, you don't have a single point of failure those were all the initial set of issues okay the technology systems when it comes to stock broking at the nse bsc system they are much more robust because there is not more at stake so they are much more uh, robust when it came to pension funds we had to do a lot of innovation ourselves uh, finally and most importantly the uh, the bank partner integration right i think that took a lot of effort as you imagine we were a fintech company we were trying to uh, integrate our app into a bank's mobile app and as you know banks have stringent regulatory norms you know they're all governed by rbi security regulations ciso norms so on and so forth right and to be able to do that integration in a manner that uh, that is seamless uh, at the same time takes into account all the regulatory and uh, security considerations yet provide you know great user experience to end customers right i think that was a significant significant challenge uh, these bank technology systems are not uh, you know the new age cloud mobile systems right and they also not standardized in any shape or form Correct. They are not even standardized, right? So I think that our first two, three bank integrations were like four, five, six months long. But now we found a way where we, any new bank that we sign up with, we can go live in like fifteen days, fifteen uh, to twenty days time. We could, you know, go live. Our API documentation, our SDK documentation is very, very standard. Uh, you know, much like a Razorpay SDK documentation. Anyone can look at it and just kind of start working on it. obviously we don't our sdk and api documentation is not public it's only for uh, for partners uh, so those are some of the you know, challenges we've had to go through over the over the last 4 uh, 5 years right and what about scaling did you face any challenges as uh, the number of uh, customers on your platform started growing i'm sure you must have seen spurts of immense growth in the middle as well right yeah no i mean i think we we've generally relied on uh, cloud uh, okay. not to scaling cloud to that with some limits so those have been uh, uh, you know at least that hasn't been so much of an issue but yes you know a few months ago uh, we hit our api limit concurrent api limit <laughs> right <laughs> people were not able to log in uh, for a few for 10 15 minutes so we had to sort of fix that you know constantly keep an eye on you know what's the capacity that's being utilized and how do you make sure that you know you're constantly aware of any significant load on the system so we've had our learnings there have been couple of instances where uh, Suddenly, we've not been able to get into customers because guess what? Uh, just the number of people logging in has been higher than you know what we had imagined three months ago. That's very interesting, Subh. I guess it's depending on how you look at it. It's either a good problem to have or uh, something that's gone terribly wrong. So the, the way it works is, you know, um, yeah. customers also react differently. Uh, I mean, yeah. some customers uh, who have a reasonably good, uh, you know, faith in the system, right? Faith in the company, faith in the product. If they if they're not able to access a product for a few minutes, they say, "Hey, listen, look, something is down. Okay, I'll come back." Right? But people who've just invested a day or two earlier, you know, who are still figuring out whether they should trust the product or not, uh, they get jittery. <laughs> hey, listen, they get very jittery. And then you'll see social media go alive with all sorts of comments. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. In fact, I keep joking to my uh, CTO. Uh, the best thing that has happened in the last two years is uh, Facebook, WhatsApp, Google—all three have gone down. <laughs> yep, and not to mention Amazon as well. AWS went down twice, I think, in the last two years. Yeah. So I'm like, not just external customers, even our own teams, right? Some of the people yeah. who don't come from the tech background, they would always look, what, what is this? Why is this happening? And now, after seeing Google and WhatsApp and uh, yeah. Facebook and AWS go down, they say, okay, fine, look, okay, look, I think you know, this is this is a human problem. 
uh, it's bound to happen uh, you know occasionally maybe hopefully not more than once a year but we just need to get our actors and get our you know get get ourselves up and running we have and uh, you know we've taken the same remedy what others have taken so we just uh, looking uh, looking to the future right uh, what is the next big thing for fisdem what are you most excited about uh, on what you're working on and what are you looking forward to in the next couple of years yeah so look the way we look, we look at fisdem is we provide technology based solutions to customers across savings investments taxation and protection right and right. with that the kind of capabilities that we built are are in the process of building uh, our distribution advisory and at some point of manufacturing so right. we do a great job of distributing products uh, third party products so we don't make our own products right uh, we are not an emc you know uh, we distribute third party products we've got a great advisory layer on top of it uh, where uh, customers on the fisdom app uh, it's not just a do it yourself for a marketplace like some of the larger competitors in the industry customers yeah. actually can decide uh, you know where to invest of course other than that we also have some interesting advisory pieces for example customer can just say he wants to invest 5000 rupees and uh, app based on the risk profile and a variety of other factors recommends where to invest in that's easy then we also do automated portfolio rebalancing for example you know you've been investing uh, for few years and you built up an asset of asset uh, base of 10 lakh rupees let's say there is some external market change and your portfolio requires a review this in the offline world happens once in 3 months but on the on the fisdom app uh, the portfolio is watched on an ongoing basis by the algorithms if there is any change that is required for example let's say a fund manager gets changed or a strategy of a fund changes then automatically uh, the portfolio is rebalanced the customer gets a notification um, you know one why how etc the customer agrees and the money moves from fund a to fund b uh, and then also there is high quality advice at the time of redemption like you know when you when you built up 10 lakh rupees if you want to sell 1 lakh rupees let's say right you know where do you where do you, which ones you sell this tax implication load implication right uh, which ones do you sell right so i think those are some of the features that are available so we built some layers of advisory but i think we will will be investing in sort of much more building in strong advisory capabilities for uh, you know mass and mass friend customers the third piece is the manufacturing piece uh, now once we build uh, you know our distribution and advisory capabilities it's only a, only natural extension for us to start creating our own products um you know in in terms of uh, not just selling third party products so, so we'll have a nice mix of um you know third party products and our own products in this for this whole stack we will cater to both um you know retail and mass affluent segment retail is what i call as sub 25 investable surplus and mass affluent is uh, or the private wealth business is more than 25 lakhs of investable surplus i think this whole uh, approach to uh, being able to serve the mass affluent segment through a product approach um right uh, through a technology yep. i think that is really really exciting for us right now okay uh, the market is just huge and i think you know people are not paying attention that we are the one of the few guys who have access to those customers through the bank channel so that's one thing that we really excited about second is the bank channel the number of partners that we work with continues to grow so today as fisdom through our bank partners we have built a exclusive customer base of nearly 40 crores right um and these are exclusive branded partnerships these are not white labeled partnerships so all the all the transactions etc happen in on our brand on our regulatory license uh, so now that we've built the product portfolio and built a distribution channel now it's about executing and getting a really large or a significant uh, share of these customers that's something that we are you know uh, uh, we are excited about in the next 2 3 years 
and the third and final one is at some point in the next uh, you know few years we will uh, move away from just being an intermediary to you know full blown financial services platform including uh, including manufacturing so those are the few things that will keep us busy for the next uh, couple of years uh, elroy and himant very interesting subo subo if someone wanted to get in touch with you to know more about fizdem or to just understand more about the company what's the best way to do this a few ways uh, one i would uh, sincerely request uh, as a first step to just go to google play and download fizdem app okay that's one way to sort of uh, try the app and uh, yeah. you know get to know the app you know fizdem is uh, present on all the social media we would be very happy to respond to any queries uh, people would have uh, from a help you know i am on twitter subramanya_sv please do reach out uh, with any thoughts queries you would have would be very happy to engage uh, same thing on linkedin we have a fairly active uh, linkedin presence as well so social media email uh, and the app i think those would be the three best ways for us to uh, sort of reach and finally i sorry i forgot to give the email so if we have a, a generic email askatwisdom.com please do write in and we would be very happy to kind of respond with any respond to any queries that uh, you know your, your listeners might have awesome subo we will include those details in the show notes and thanks a ton subo for taking out time and speaking to us thanks so much himan thanks elva this was great fun that's it from india fintech diaries for this week do log on to our website indiafintechdiaries.com for exclusive content and until next time stay safe